Utah's best sports radio is on the Zone Sports Network. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is... And it's time to kick off Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's a big show. Is everybody ready? Monday, Monday. Just another manic Monday. Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Happy Monday to everybody out there. Jake Scott coming at you live from our Carrier Zone studios here at Vivint Arena. Across the glass from me, uh, producing today in place of Austin Horton. He is Alex Lumberg along for the ride today. Alex has uh, been doing a terrific job on our jazz radio broadcast as well. And joining us safely social distancing from Casa de Monson, the one the only Gordon Monson. Gordon, hello. Hello, Jake. Uh, Lundy's behind the glass, huh? So uh, I, I was going to bring this up with you. Did we decide that we're okay with that nickname? I know we've talked about it on the show before, but are, are we uh, are we all right, or do we feel like we could do better? Well, we, <laughs> that's what his parents call him. Yeah, I know, but... but you want to outdo his parents? No, no, it's not about I mean, outdoing. They weren't the ones that gave it to me. They just kind of adopted it with everybody else. Yeah. So, you know, we don't have to fall in line, Gordon. Oh, well, he was going by fake Kyle there for a while, but but real Kyle is now gone. And his name's not Kyle, although I do find that funny how he got that nickname. Uh, so, but but I don't know. Do you want to go with Kyle? We could still uh, stay with real Kyle. We could go with Lundy. I think I would prefer to uh, keep it legitimate and go Lundy. Because Kyle, he's... It, why Kyle? I mean, that, that doesn't really fit him. Well, on air, Scotty called him Kyle a couple of times, and so <laughs> the name <laughs> stuck. And then we hired another Kyle. And so then all of a sudden he became real, uh, fake Confusing. Kyle. Fake uh, Kyle, not real Kyle. Real Kyle was the other one. Fake Kyle. And uh, now it's it's back to the drawing board. But we can go we, with Lundy. We, we, we can get off to a good start. You know, he's going to be with us all week. So, you know, we don't have to, you know, get off to a, a rocky start. I, 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 let's go Lundy. That's fine. I'm okay. fine. I don't have to be all creative when it comes to his name. How are you, buddy? I feel like I haven't talked to you for uh, hours. <laughs> yes, we did uh, witness uh, the Jazz's collapse uh, for the second straight game in game six. And uh, so we uh, suffered through that as we watched it. And there are very distinct things that need to change in order for the Jazz to give themselves a chance. They won three straight. They don't want to lose three straight. Okay, real real quick, and I know that you're a newspaper columnist, which makes you uh, given to hyperbole. But, hey, we watched a Game 6 NBA playoff game last night with two superstars going toe-to-toe. We didn't suffer through anything. Well, I mean, it's not our problem. Uh, but the Jazz, they looked like they were suffering as Rudy Gobert's kicking chairs and uh, Donovan Mitchell's pushing exercise bikes over. I don't think uh, they were feeling too happy about things. Um, I, now we've we've asked Austin this question many times, but I'm going to ask you: what's the what's the most you know uh, your best lashing out in anger story? Hmm. Let's see. You know, I, I'm pretty calm and controlled. I don't let myself get uh, too out of whack. Uh, never have been that way. I did. Uh, what a boring uh, answer. I, I, Come on, well, there's got to be I something. Get, I, I at least get, used to throw my phone every once in a while. I, I mean, I got, I got kicked out of a city league game once, got thrown right out of there. And uh, you know what I did? I went to a different gym and started shooting jump shots. Oh, well, no, nobody. That's not the interesting part of the story. The interesting well, part of the out. story is why you got thrown out. 
Uh, this was probably, I was probably, uh, how old are you, Lundy? I'm 30. Yeah, I was probably about Lundy's age, maybe a little younger. And, uh, yeah, I got, I got tossed, uh, because I mouthed off. What'd you say? That I can't remember. Oh, come was, on. I, I can't come remember. Come on, you do what? too. It was you 60 years ago. I, <laughs> come on, you remember. What'd you say? Uh, Did it have a curse word? Oh, that, no, I don't think so. But I, I was. Were, I was were you, were you, uh, um, uh, was it offensive? I mean, were, were you, you're talking about his uh, sister or something? No, but I was out of line. I got, but but our team just got absolutely jobbed, and it was out of ineptitude on the part of a, a couple of officials. Did and you I, did you question their their IQs? Uh, that I probably did. Okay. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But I didn't hit anything. I didn't punch anything. I didn't. I, you know, I I don't have anything like that. What did you did you break your did you break a knuckle or something? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm with you, but uh, I can at least admit that I have. I used to throw my phone when I used to get mad producing for you and Kevin. Why would you throw your phone? All know, that does is destroy your phone. Because you're not thinking about that at the time. You're just thinking about the two a- aggravating morons that you're trying to get to do uh, whatever their job is to do. What, what did we do that made you so uh, angry that you threw your phone? twice an hour, at least. <laughs> okay. I don't recall that. See, I'm I, sure I was, you don't. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure <laughs> you don't. Paying any attention to your problems, <laughs> right? Exactly. Uh, it's probably right. something Kevin did. See, now Austin would have had a really zany story. Lundy, are you uh, are you prone to outburst? Uh, not typically. So, and I mean, pretty chill overall. But it depends. Any any applicable stories here? You punch any walls or anything like that? Um. I'll think about it. I'm sure that there are. I'm sure that there are. Gordon, uh, I I used to, uh, back in my uh, younger and rambunctious days, did know uh, people who have uh, uh, been prone to punching walls for some reason. This never made sense to me either. But have you, in your, you know, younger days, witnessed anybody uh, punching a wall and finding a stud? Because let me tell you, (laughs) you can't help but laughing a little bit as they really, really hurt themselves. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's something you got to watch out for. See, this is why you have to think before you act. Well, you know, but here's the good thing. Because it's not going to help. If you're all mad because something happened and then you pull a – who was it who punched the uh, the, the fire extinguisher? Uh, Amari Stoudemire. Amari Stoudemire. I mean, as you are pulling your hand out of there and it is bleeding with glass cuts, you did not make your situation any better. You made it worse. Actually, I, I disagree with that for this this reason right here, Gordon. Because uh, my friend, or actually multiple friends, who caught a stud punching the wall, and probably Amari Stoudemire uh, applicable there, too. Do you think they remembered for one second what they were angry about? Or do you think they just think, wow, I just shattered every bone in my hand? <laughs> So, Do you think any one of those um, uh, those uh, less than intelligent people remembered why they were punching the wall in the first place? Absolutely so, not. So it got rid of that problem. No problem. Gone. That issue, not, not important to them any longer. Now, how to get to the hospital, that might be the new issue <laughs> of the, of the uh, evening. But which, which is actually worse. Uh, says who? Maybe you're so really upset like, over something. Maybe you'd rather have a broken hand than you, you didn't change your original problem. It's still what it was. You don't was. know why someone's you may, punching. You the, may view it differently because now you got a bigger problem. That's not. I don't think that's an advancement here. I think that's uh, considerably worse. That might have been the judgiest take I've ever heard you have. <laughs> what are you talking about? How dare you? No, you don't know what people's problems hand, are. If you shred your hand, that's worse than than whatever you were mad about before you did it. But but here's the thing: what if you're you were mad about uh, um, uh, let's say a party being out of beer? You punch the wall, <laughs> shatter your hand. No longer do you care about the party being out of beer, do you? And your problem is kind of solved because when you wake up the next day, you're probably not going to be caring much about the beer. Yeah, you're caring about something much worse. 
but your original problem went away. Your argument was your original problem was still there. Not so. Uh, Jake, did you have a friend who did that once, maybe? I never broke my hand punching a stud no, but I have seen that happen more than once. Well, yeah, I... You know, Rudy said that he hoped he'd never do that again, but he probably would. <laughs> oh, whatever. They kick some chairs. I love it. Pretty, how pretty good self-awareness there. I love it. How point. reactionary. But uh, but my point are. is that they were quite upset with the way that game went down, and uh, you know they talked about it afterward, and I I, I think there's there are some concerns some messages that need to be sent by leadership, and by leadership I mean Donovan Mitchell. Messages? Get, get some of his teammates to uh, quit freaking out and shoot the ball when they have an open look. How is he supposed to communicate this message? Threat? Because oh, that sounded uh, very, you know. No, I think he will. He will let them know. Look, when you are the godfather. We know what you mean by sending messages, man. When, when people show up at your Joe front Ingles door, go two of eight from the field. Between the two of them, they shoot eight shots. It's just that uh, kind of what? What is that? What is that? O'Neal one for four. Rudy Gobert three of eight, which is weird. Um, Joe Ingles one of four, and here Donovan Mitchell is jacking up twenty-five shots, making fourteen of them, going nine of thirteen from three. And I don't know, maybe he needs to shoot 40 times. And what? maybe that would be the best answer. The, the, yeah, you guys, if you're going to go one for four and you're going to hesitate before you shoot, then give it to Donovan every time. Let him put up 45 shots. I, I'm going to take just a slightly different angle. I, I do think that those guys, I mean, Joe especially passed up many open shots, and that, that can't happen. But how about those two try like hell to keep their guy under 50? Yeah, you know you can look at it that way too. If if those two who have a a difficult assignment, I got it. But I mean the way Jamal Murray has played the last three games, if you if you could keep him under forty five, that would probably make a huge difference. So do you think that's the Jazz's problem number one? How do you slow that guy down? Seventeen of twenty four. I mean, it's one thing to go fifty. And and by the way, we had the same conversation about Donovan Mitchell from the other end of the perspective earlier in the series. But seventeen of twenty four for fifty points. It's got to be harder on that dude than that. And I, you know, nine of twelve from three. And some of those shots he was hitting were were just pure. You're on fire shots. I got it. But he went for fifty on twenty four shots. Seventeen of twenty four. That is amazing. That is amazing efficiency. And it should not be that easy for him. Yeah. So, I, I mean, yes, so Royce and Joe answer? needs to shoot more, but they also need to figure out a way to stop their guy. That's really first and foremost for both see, those dudes because Murray's killing them. I just don't know if they can. I don't know if they can. Well, and see, now that all that momentum is going that way, I, I, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, Murray had 43 minutes played. Donovan was 40. Maybe Mitchell needs to play as much as Murray does and just let him shoot because it, it, I don't know what else the Jazz can do to uh, to change this this thing. Well, I uh, think, I, I think Gordon, I think you're right on the right track, actually. And, and we'll call this our split story of the day, uh, Alex. We're, we're already, obviously, uh, off and going. Because I, I think you're on the right track here. Donovan Mitchell needs some help. He said in the post game that he could do more and cited some individual circumstance. Fine. But 14 of 25 for 44 points, six assists, five rebounds. That dude, uh, or let's see here, what did uh, Donovan have? I'm sorry, on the rebounds. Oh, I was right. Five assists, six rebounds. Excuse me. Uh, you can't ask much more out of that guy. The The difference in that game has to be, come from defense, in my opinion, Gordon, and then he needs somebody else to have a great game. Yeah. Conley was good. We talked about this a little bit on the post game. Conley was good, not great. Clarkson was not. Clarkson did Clarkson not have a good really, game. He was yeah. bad. He'd, so Donovan needs somebody else, and maybe that's a combination of Royce and Joe. To your point, maybe maybe that's what uh, the, uh, what they need. But but really, other the difference in the in games two and three, Gordon is is other people were having great games, great games, mm-hmm. and then Donovan was able to kind of roll with that. Um, 
I mean, I, nobody's going to come out and criticize Mike Conley for 21 points, and I hope that's not what this sounds like. But he needs – it's going to come from better defense and somebody else having a great game. That's how they win Game 7, in my opinion. You know, there's a lot to talk about there, but I have an even heavier question. Oh, boy. On a Monday, we're starting out heavy? Starting out heavy. Oh, boy. What happens to the Jazz if they lose this series? They uh, pack their stuff and uh, go uh, home? I'm talking about long-term implications. Are there really long-term implications? I mean, this 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 was a total. If they lose tomorrow, that's a total collapse. And I understand that you're dealing with a guy who's just lights out in Jamal Murray, but Donovan has been spectacular in this series as well. Uh, and so, if the rest of your team can't close out a three-one lead in the series, then something's wrong with your team. Something's wrong with that team. And if something's wrong with the team, then it needs to change. It needs to change. And maybe if you had Bogdanovich, I guess that's one rationale you can you can throw at it. Well, if we had Boyan, then we wouldn't have to change. Maybe that's what the Jazz are saying. But I I I just you know, this this it makes you question. Well, you know, it's kind of weird to say that because if they come back and win game seven, then 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 they're, you know, then I, I think if we said before the playoffs started that the Jazz would win one series and get to the semis, uh, I think we probably yeah. would say that's that's successful, especially without Boyan. But if they lose this game, uh, that's what I mean. I think there's a lot hanging on this one. I really do. And when I say that, it, it means – I, I aim at uh, how much money do you want to spend? You're going to keep Donovan Mitchell as long as you can keep him. Uh, if you lose this game, then I think you have to ask questions about how the rest of it is working. Don't you think they've probably made up their mind about that by now, though? Or do you think really moving on to another round makes a difference one way or another? I'm, I, I, well, I'm, you've got to show some success. You got to show some gumption. You got to sh- show some guts. What are you made of? And that's what I think. And Donovan didn't. I don't think he heard, I heard him say this, but I think he's frustrated because his team betrayed him last night. They left them behind, or he left them behind, and they weren't there. The cavalry wasn't there. They didn't help when they had an opportunity to win a, win a playoff series. Well, even, guys were getting guys were getting sheepish about shooting the ball. Guys were not aggressive. You gotta be that. You gotta be ready to play, and you gotta go at it full bore. Donovan did, and as bad as Jordan Clarkson was at times, at least he was he was trying. How many shots did he put up in that game? I, I don't know. I have it in front of me. Well, but, uh, Jordan Clarkson you know, took fourteen, 14 shots. Like yeah, one of six from three, five of fourteen from the field. I didn't make them, but uh, you can't – in these situations, man, you got to be willing to put yourself on the line. And if you if you succeed, then great. Great for you, great for the team. And if you don't succeed, then at least you gave it everything you had. That's not what I saw in that game last night. If that's judgmental, I'm sorry. But I thought the Jazz were well beneath themselves. And maybe some people think – they were shooting 57% in this game and 52% in that game, and the law of averages are going to even out at some point. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure about level, leveling that out. I think you make your success at this point. And I always have found it fascinating that to watch guys when, when everything is on the line to see what they bring up, what they're capable of conjuring. And that's why I was so impressed with Donovan Mitchell last night. This guy's the real deal. I mean, he he's going up. He's trying to match Jamal Murray, who's on an absolute roll, and he darn near did it. 44 points. I mean, played terrific, as he has been doing. Where's everybody else? Where'd he go? Well, Where'd there's – there's- I mean, I think there are some more complexities to this because the way that Denver is playing against the Jazz defensively, we're seeing that switch defense again, even though that's not what Denver plays. And you can't 
deny that the offense is much less effective when they're all playing one-on-one, even though Donovan Mitchell is really good at that. They're well, not they, did get, that same, they did that same thing when the Jazz blew them out by 37 points. So they got to figure out a better way to deal with it. But you know, watching the second half of that game, that wasn't the Jazz' successful offense. You're the one who just wrote a column about uh, about the assists, and our boy Clint Knight is tweeting uh, uh, tweeting us about it. And uh, you know, I I think if the Jazz offense were working like it should, I think they they'd be more effective, and Donovan Mitchell wouldn't have to do what he's doing. 20 well, assists explain. last night. Explain what the problem he had with Mike Conley, because he had six assists and twenty-one points. What what did you see that he was doing that, and that others were doing that was uh, that you think was uh, messing things up? Well, uh, that type of game is decent for Mike Conley, where he's good at going one-on-one when he has a matchup in his favor. So he's going to get some points, and you need him to do that because at times during games you need your best players to go one-on-one with the other team. It's it's a basics of basketball, but the way the Jazz – let me put it this way, Gordon. Remember the, the big uh, stat that everybody glommed onto last playoffs is the Jazz were the best in the, in the league at generating open shots. Remember that? Oh, and against yeah. Houston, they had more open shots than anybody else in the league. Well, they just didn't have anybody to knock them down, right? I mean, we, we've talked about it a zillion times. Well, if the ball isn't moving and the blender isn't happening, then those open shots aren't there. So when the second half of, like, last night against the Nuggets happened and it turns into uh, a mano-a-mano iso back and forth, because that's all Denver was doing, because Denver has completely abandoned the Jamal murray Nikola Jokic uh, pick-and-roll. They've said, we're not going to do that anymore, even though we've done it all year long, we're not going to do it, and you guys can't guard Jamal Murray, so this is the the direction we're going to go. And the Jazz really could do something similar with Donovan Mitchell. That's what we saw. But when they've had the most success in this series, it's been when everybody's got it going and they're moving the ball and the blender's happening. So, they, you know, we can talk about Donovan now needing to score 55 for them to get a win. Or we could talk about the rest of the team picking it up, which we've talked about both in this segment. Well, the, re- the way the rest of the team picks it up is getting open shots. So you asked me about specifically about Mike Conley. He was fine. He wasn't as good as he was in, his, in games, what, three and four, where he was just ex, you know, out of this world. But, you know, they need Joe Ingles to play, too, to your point. They need Royce, Ingle, or Royce, Ingles, Royce O'Neal uh, to be out there making shots. They need George Niang to get open shots because he's so bad on defense. He better be making them. Or, or what's he doing out there like he told us on this show? So I guess – you know, if Denver is going to play a defense they've never played before and it completely throws the Jazz off their game, well, it's going to be rough in Game 7. But they got to figure out a way to get the blender going and get an open shots for those guys because they need them. And in the moments when, when the stars are off the floor, that bench has to be better. Just has to be. George Niang, uh, Tony Bradley, I mean, how long was Bradley on the floor? Not long because it was... It was it was bad. Clarkson, who has been really good at times, just really did not help the cause. So your only other option in that regard is to play Donovan the whole game. Hmm. And <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how how long the starters are in the game tomorrow. Uh, real quick, some interaction with the show. Uh, Gordon Jace tweets at us. You can always tweet us at Jake Scott's own at Gordon Monson. Uh, Jace says Gordon is right. If the Jazz lose game seven, something needs to change. I'm not saying Rudy is the problem. I love Rudy, but if he plays like he did in game six, in game seven, then I wouldn't be opposed uh, to for trading for a new center and a stretch four. Um, I hear what you're saying, Jace. I just I don't know if the decision of that magnitude should come down to one game. But it's it's more it's an indication of character. I think it's an indication. I'm not. I'm not throwing shade at, at Rudy Gobert. I have been uh, a proponent of his for a long, long time. But you can't lose three straight games when you're up three-one in a playoff series. I don't care who you're playing. I don't know what the situation is. That shows something is wrong, and those players can correct it if they come back and and right the ship tomorrow. I just, I just don't know if they will. Uh, I, I think there, I think there is a lot to consider, and there's always the Bogdanovich thing. I mean, okay, he wasn't there, but there's going to be times when, 
when you don't have everybody, and the other guy's going to have to step forward. But they're, they're, it's not just the stars. I mean, as we said, Mitchell's been spectacular, but the supporting cast is it was substandard. And, and look, the, the the standard is high. It is. I mean, you're talking about a quality team in the playoffs who was the favorite to beat you. But the Jazz, in some ways, it's an indictment on them that they played so well early, and then we come to expect it. All right, one more interaction with the show we got to get to in this segment. Uh, Ryan tweets at us. He says, I downloaded Twitter just to say this. He says, in high school, I punched uh, the number or the two-inch pad behind a basketball hoop and shattered my hand. Ooh. Behind the pad was a cinder block wall. Not my best day. Instant regret, says Ryan. Yeah, he probably uh, he forgot a... immediately what he was mad about, Gordon. This is what I'm telling you. <laughs> you think it's useful. He probably doesn't even remember what it, what he was mad about in the first place. All he remembers now is that he shattered his hand. I had a friend in, like, the eighth grade who got mad at me, and he took a swing at me. And I went to duck my head, and he hit my head and broke his hand, and I was fine. You know. Got that block head. Uh, he was... For. Afterward, he was he was our friendship was renewed afterward because he was over there. You're right. He forgot what he was mad at me about. Oh, yeah. And he was just worried about his hand. He's worried about getting medical attention. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Here, here's what's coming up on the show. Glad you're coming around on that. Alex Kennedy, our friend from basketballnews.com, will be with us at 3.30. Chris Mannix at 4. Kristen Kinney at 4.30. Jeremiah Jensen at 5. So we've got a busy, busy day. Coming up next, we'll let you hear from Mike Conley as uh, he had his media availability. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 in the zone. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Band of the Day today is Aretha Franklin, brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. For the latest tour news and artist insight, go to livenation.com. You know why I picked Aretha today, uh, Gordon, selected by me? Because she's one of those that always pop to the top of my mind that I want to, I want for Band of the Day, and then I always get from Austin, you know, like, oh, we had her like yesterday. <laughs> so Austin's off this week. So I'm, I picked Aretha Franklin. So should we pick all the music this week that Austin doesn't like? Uh, no, I don't think. I, I Austin loves Aretha Franklin. I just pick her all the time. It's more a me thing than it is Austin. It doesn't matter. He's just, the one, linear. he's just the one in my ear reminding me that I picked her like two weeks ago. You know, so. No, you never pick it that often. I had uh, I listened to one of Aretha's uh, records this weekend, so going with it. Going with it, Gordo. No complaint here. Uh, all right. That's what I like to hear. All right. We're hoping to hear from Mike Conley coming up here momentarily, his uh, media availability. Uh, perhaps we'll, depending on how it times out, Gordon uh, Quinn Snyder, I think we're expected to hear from him. We're not entirely sure with this unique setup. So uh, if he uh, if he does do a media availability, we, we will play it on the show. Alex Kennedy at, uh, at 3.30, Mannix at 4, Kristen Kenny at 4.30, and Jeremiah Jensen at 5. And we have got to uh, squeeze in at some point here, Gordon, the latest from the Pac-12 and what's going on in in conference because there's drama. <laughs> there's, see, that seems to be a common theme over there. For Don't you love it? Time. Don't you, you? You know, Gordon, isn't one thing about sport uh, that we all love the soap opera of it all? And <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, the Pac-12 is certainly a soap opera. Well, you know why? Because there's a lot of decisions in sports that need to be made. And sometimes they're bad ones. Made by inept people. Yeah. And sometimes, like, franchise owners decide they have to sell a team. You know, stuff like that happens because they make a mistake. or <laughs> That's the direction you're going? In. No, I was just saying that that's that's part of the drama of sport. We need to get to that, too. Uh, Deloy Hansen announced over the weekend that he'll uh, he's stepping away from RSL and their um, soccer teams and now uh, going to sell the team. So that obviously there was a buzz. In fact, I was uh, texting back and forth with a buddy of mine all morning this morning. He's as uh, he's following who might purchase the team. Will it be J.J. Watt, Gordon? <laughs> yeah, I saw that tweet by J.J. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. Who will it's it be, be? Will it be uh, Ryan Smith, who we've had on the show before from Qualtrics? Will it be what I proposed—a Monson James uh, group effort? Uh, now, I mean, given what has happened in the past, there would be some sweet irony to that. Yeah, you should think but, about it. But no, I I don't think so. Uh, but. Deloy Hansen will be so severely punished that he'll make uh, a lot of money off this sale. Well, if you believe Forbes, somewhere in the neighborhood of $225 million, but we'll see if he gets that. And what did he pay for originally? I really have no idea. Do you know that off the top I of your head? I think it was substantially less than that. Yeah, he's probably coming away but with he's a tidy put some stuff. He's put some stuff into it, too. He's so, uh, To his credit, he's put a lot of – I mean, that, that academy has a terrific reputation – yeah. And uh, certainly the, the and the Royals and the Mar- Monarchs, yeah, the facility, no doubt. Yeah. It's unfortunate the way it's it's ending for him, and uh, you know he released a statement taking personal accountability, which I think is a, a positive thing for him. But he does deserve credit for the resources that he has put into the franchise. Now I, you know, Jake, you're a naturally skeptical guy, and I am in some ways as well. When I read that statement from him, that sounded pretty sincere. You know, and it uh, f- fairly truthful, um, and it sounded like there was some regret there. So that that's live and learn, right? And sometimes the the lessons you learn are are pretty painful. But he'll he'll come out financially out of this deal, all right. But um, but I I was told a long time ago by people top to bottom in that organization that Deloitte was a bully. That was his way of managing, and that there were really good people who were leaving the organization because they couldn't work for him. Well, and, I don't. Okay, but there's a lot of there, there's a lot of people like that in sports. There's a lot of people like that who who are in positions of power in sports. Um, he's not unique in that regard. But when that bullying gets to the point where it includes racist language and racist treatment of uh, people within your organization and lack of support in that regard, then that that's when it really, really becomes a problem. And it did. Getting back to your question that, uh, that you were asking me about sincerity uh, and me being skeptical. I have no clue how sincere that statement was. He released it over, over the weekend. I have no that's idea. I've actually, why, no, 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 I'm not why, arguing. That's why, with you. No, no, that's why I said it sounded. Sincere. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea. I, I, you know, I've never met Deloy Hansen, never met the man. Um, I've talked to people like you have that uh, work for him, et cetera, et cetera. No, but I have no idea the sincerity. I'm, I'm just shocked that it took him this long to say the right thing. Like anything yeah. resembling the right thing. Deloitte came, Deloitte came into that situation and had never owned a, a sports franchise like that and, and was a, a novice, and he made a lot of rookie mistakes and then he started taking advice and started listening to people who didn't know what the hell they were doing, and it got it got messed up. All right, hey Gordon, let's uh, let's get to Mike Conley here. We can get back to RSL a little bit later on in the show, but want to have a few minutes to uh, hear from Mike and his media availability. Let's get to that, Alex. Great. We'll uh, start things off with a question from uh, Tony Jones, the Athletic. Hey Mike, defensively uh, with um, with Jamal, what can you guys do to to even try to make uh, life a little bit more difficult for him? And and where's your 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 collective spirit um, as a team heading into Game Seven tomorrow? Uh, well, with Jamal, man, he's you know he's he's playing lights out right now. He's uh, obviously shooting very high percentages and, and making plays all across the board, but. Uh, as a team, I think we can just we can just be more uh, more physical, more present. Uh, just keep more bodies on him and try to get the ball out of his hands as much as possible. He's he's shown that he's been able to to, to make plays in the biggest moments and um, get guys involved as well. So we're just trying to you know trying to find ways to throw different coverages at him. Um, just keep him guessing a little bit because uh, when guys are rolling like that, it, it, it's it's tough to it's tough to stop even with uh, even when your defense is playing great. We'll go to uh, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. 
Hey, Mike, you guys came out really well offensively yesterday, and then it seemed like the movement stopped and the and the ball kind of stuck. How do you get back on track to doing what was working well, and, and what caused you to go away from it? Um, I, I honestly think that you know early in the game we just come out and we're playing free, we're playing um, you know with the ball leading us, letting the ball make plays for us, and uh, the ball finds different people. I think as the game goes on, we we tend to kind of seek out matchups or seek out certain uh, uh, plays to try to. Um, take advantage of different situations and, and it slows us down a little bit. And uh, I think the more and more we continue to, to, to play within the flow of the game uh, and let everybody just kind of move the ball and touch it and, and get them moving around defensively, I think that, that gets us going uh, on both ends of the floor. Next is uh, Cassidy Hubbard, ESPN, who's there with you. Mike. So you've been one of the more prominent guards in the league for, for a while, but watching what Donovan and Jamal are doing, both having two 50-point games. I know they, they're talking about the history, but are you seeing this as a historic battle between the two of them? Uh, yeah, actually, it's, uh, it's, it's been, I wouldn't say fun to watch when you're losing, but when you're winning, it definitely is. I think what Donovan and Jamal have been doing is unbelievable. Uh, I've said it almost after every game, like, you know, those those two are playing at the, one of the highest levels I've seen from from that position. And, um, and you know, for for us, we hope Donovan continues to, to to progress and continues to get better as he as he goes through this leap he's making. Because um, he's been he's been phenomenal for us. And, uh, and Jamal obviously is is he's been he speaks for himself right now. He's been doing what he's doing, but uh, we got to figure out a way to stop. Him. Go uh, Ben Anderson, KSL Sports. Mike, is there any trick to game sevens or, or is it different than any other elimination game? Uh, there's no trick. There's no trick to game seven. It's, you know, win or go home. It's just as simple as it gets. Um, it's, I think, what we all have grown up playing in, in tournaments like that, where you just, you know, if you if you lose, you go home. Uh, I think there's no single better game to be a part of in sports. Uh, game sevens are unbelievably unbelievably competitive um, you're going to see the best uh, from everybody on that court on both teams and uh, that's what you come out here to do is, is to have moments like this have opportunities to to, to play in big moments uh dan wojcki uh la times hi mike um you, you talked a little bit about donovan and jamal but it seems like so many different players are having these incredible offensive outbursts um, inside the bubble. I mean, yourself, you're shooting almost 57% in the playoffs. Is, is there anything to it? Is, is it no travel, smaller arenas? Um, have you given that any thought? And, and have you noticed it too, that it's just, it seems like there's just been a lot of great offense? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think for most guys, uh, the travel is, is, you know, being eliminated has, has done a lot for guys. Uh, you're, you're getting a bet at, you know, normal hours, you're getting to sleep in, you're getting to rest and recover, um, you know, and it's a different playoffs, you know, it's different without fans, it's different without, you know, being on the road or playing at altitude or the different elements that you normally have to deal with, uh, you don't have to deal with at all. You, you get a consistent feel of the gym every single time you walk in, more of a summertime, summer league, you know, kind of feel. So I think guys are more relaxed in those in those occasions in those, uh, those venues. So I think guys have all just kind of switched their minds to to having that kind of relaxed flow and feel when they play. So uh, you've seen a lot of guys, you know, have career years and career uh, career nights, you know, on a nightly basis. We have a question from uh, Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated, who's there with you. Mike, um, you're just saying, like, it's no trick to game seven, it's win or go home. And, and under normal circumstances, like, it, it, nobody wants to go home. But it seems like everybody that leaves this bubble is on Instagram, like, basically doing a jig when they're getting out of here. I mean, do you, do you get the sense just being there that everybody's kind of as locked in as they need to be, that they don't want to go home, that this is, you know, it's all about advancement as well? Yeah, I think uh, for us, especially, I think our team, we've, we've, we came here for a reason. We didn't come here to, to be here for a month and a half away from our families just to go home. If we're going to be here, we wanted to, to ride this thing all the way out. And, um, and we've put ourselves in a position. We've had three, you know, two games already to have an opportunity to, to advance and, 
now we're giving ourselves this, this last chance and, um, and we're going to try to take advantage of it as best as we can. I know guys are anxious and eager to get to our next game um, and, 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 you know, try to rewrite what we've done. Uh, you know, they, they've really outworked us the last few games and have, have, have played with the more urgency. Um, so now we're almost, it's almost flipped. Now we're the team that's got to show how urgent we are. Um, and I think guys are, are, are mentally there in, in the way we practice today and uh, the way guys were mentally prepared and, you know, showing up. I come in there early and Donovan's walking in at the same time I am and we're getting shots up early. Like that kind of sets the tone for everybody. lets us know, like, you know, we're, what our plans are. We're not, we're not planning on going home. That's, that's not what we came here to do. We'll go to Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Mike, it seemed like the chemistry or cohesion of the team fell off in game six. I mean, just kind of no ball movement. And where is that on and off the court right now? Uh, man, honestly, I think I think you got to give credit a little bit to, to Denver and the, their adjustments and what they've done. But um, a lot of it is things we can control. I think it's just continuing to, like I said, move the ball and, and play for each other. You know, there's there's small details here and there throughout games that, that in game one, two, three, four, we were taken care of and, and we're doing it at a 90% clip. Now we're, you know, we've dropped to 80 to 70 to 50 as the games went on, maybe thinking that it was, it was just going to happen. Um, but they're a good team and, and uh, you know, a very good team with very good players. And we have to continue to, to work at all those, those little things that, that, that allowed us to get uh, early lead in the series. So, um, you know, our, our mindset is good. Our, our camaraderie is good. Our confidence is good. Uh, we're excited to go out there and play and compete in, uh, in a game seven. And Mike, last question from Mark Medina, USA Today. Hey, Mike. Uh, good to see you. Uh, kind of a league question. I know the, the league and the union and teams have offered, you know, mental health services, you know, much earlier. But given the times we're in with the world and, the setup and the challenges with the bubble. What, what's your sense of what that's done for guys overall? Well, I think, you know, it's a challenging time in this world right now. It can be challenging for anybody. Um, it, and in the bubble, you know, for us to be removed from everything going on physically, but mentally trying to be there at the same time, it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. It's a lot for guys. Um, I think basketball has been a great outlet for a lot of guys to be able to express how they're feeling. Um, and just having that help, having having people to talk to, having people to 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 you know just be able to sit and listen and uh, and, and gather thoughts and emotions and channel them into to positive uh, action. And I think uh, you know we've done that since we've been here in the bubble. Thanks a ton, Mike. All right, thank you. All right, there was Mike Conley. Uh, we uh, we will get to Coach Quinn Snyder and his media availability coming up, uh, hopefully next, Gordon. But we will get uh, folks that sound uh, at some point during the show. Brought to you by uh, University of Utah Health. We'll get to more coming up next. Stay tuned. Big Show ninety seven five and twelve eighty at the Zone. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. One of my favorite Aretha songs. She's so good. Drop the top, baby. <laughs> Keep that for a drop. Talk <laughs> <laughs> about the convertible. Come on. Uh, our boy Lundy filling in for uh, Austin. Just, just label that one. <laughs> The top, I don't know, whatever. Make sure Austin's aware of that, whatever it is. Uh, uh, all right, Gordon. That's what she sings as part of the song. Uh, should we hear from Quinn Snyder, his media yeah, availability? Please. We want to hear from uh-huh. the man himself, the coach. And uh, coming up, top of the 3 o'clock hour, we'll get more into what's going on in the Pac-12. And then we've got a busy, busy guest uh, schedule today. Um, with uh, Mannix joining us at 4, Kristen Kenny uh, joining us at 4.30. Jeremiah Jensen, our friend from Channel 5, is going to join us at 5. And, uh, yeah, Alex Kennedy of basketballnews.com at 3.30. So we're very busy. Let's go ahead and uh, get to it. It's time for Jazz Head Coach Quinn Snyder. We'll uh, get started with Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Quinn, Mike just mentioned something um, that I found interesting. He said that um, part of the reason that – guys got away from moving the ball a lot had some 
at least some to do with kind of trying to find individual matchups and trying to attack those and hunting those out rather than just trusting your own offense and swinging the ball around. How much credence do you give to that and how can you move away from it? Well, I think in any situation in this series, you know, you gravitate to things that you have success with. Um, and then obviously defenses adjust uh, and then offenses adjust and that's that kind of continual process. So, um, you know, to the extent that uh, the game, you know, dictates that for you, I think it's just, it's part of the adjustment process. It, it, to get to get into it or get away from it is not, um, you know, a significant challenge. It, it's it's certainly just requires planning. Um, no different than something you're doing on the defensive end. But, you know, I think when unquestionably when uh, when we're moving the ball, we're a better team. Um, sometimes a matchup will allow you to have an advantage in order to move the ball. But um, if you're just looking at a matchup in order to, to you know, create an isolation situation, there's times when that can be effective, you know, whether it be late game or the end of a quarter. Um, but we don't want to live in that. Um, and I think that's what Mike was saying. Eric Walton, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Quinn. Uh, so Donovan said last night he didn't anticipate that there would be a whole lot of film study today. He said that everyone knows what they need to do. And at this point, it comes down to who executes better. So with that said, what are some of the things that you think you need to see executed better in game seven? Well, you know, I think generally, I think what, what, what we talked about and did, um, to Donovan's point, there's things that um, we were doing, you know, a few games ago when we won, something simple things, whether it be spacing, um, being shifted defensively, you know, the, the, the edge that we had in those things, um, you know, during the middle of the series, really even in, in game one. Um, we got better at those things, and I, I think we relaxed um, our focus a little bit. So um, some of the really what you'd kind of refer to as fundamental things, I mean, getting back better in transition. And I think those are the things that, you know, that Donovan's referencing that, you know, we just need to you know, do them better and do, do them you know, more consistently. Um, and we know that, um, you know, and then the, the other part of it is there, there always are you know, situations and things that, that you need to try to adjust to. And, you know, there, there's a balance there of doing both. And obviously in a game seven situation, there's been a lot of basketball already played, but, you know, you can also learn from that and try to give yourselves a better chance to succeed. We'll go to uh, Ben Anderson, KSL Sports. Quinn, in, in this series and, and certainly the last game over the last three quarters, you only get 71 points after a 36-point first quarter. What would you like to see more from your team over those final three periods that can carry into game seven? Score more points. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think that we missed some free throws in the first quarter. That number would have even been better. Um, you know, I, I think some of it for us, I mentioned spacing. You know, we're a team that that has multiple guys that can attack and break the lane. And if we're not spaced, you know, their size and their length really comes into play. But, you know, I think creating for one another, you know, when regardless of how you get an advantage, whether it's a matchup situation or it's pick and roll um, or it's just straight penetration um, against a good defense and against Denver, you're, you may not be able to get all the way to the rim and, and that player may not be the one getting the basket. Um, but if we can continue to play throughout a possession, I think the biggest thing for us um, in those quarters you're referencing where we weren't, you know, not scoring the ball as effectively. I, I think we have one of the, you know, as far as half court offense over the course of the series, we're, um, we're executing and doing well. Um, I'd like for the ball, I'd like for, to have us make quicker decisions. You know, I, I think, um, and I reference spacing again, because that allows you to make a quick decision, even, you know, shoot it quickly, pass it, move it, drive it. Um, but everything has to be done quickly um, or the defense can catch up with you. Uh, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. When, how many minutes can you play your best guys in a game seven situation? I think you, you know, you look at the game and, and see how they, you know, some games it's easier to play guys longer than others. Um, you know, just look at their general fatigue level. You know, every player is a little bit different. Uh, sometimes it's a question of maybe getting them a quick blow. 
Sometimes those things can evolve um, around a quarter or a timeout. If you've got a couple of timeouts that happen early in a quarter, it's harder for guys to go a longer stretch. Um, but this is a time that, you know, you leave everything on the court. And um, sometimes, you know, Rudy at 90% or 80% um, may be a pretty good option. Even if guys are a little fatigued, they have to play through that. And I think that's been the case. Um, certainly what Denver's done with us, they've played guys the entire second half. Um, you know, and we, we may do that. We may not. We've done it. Um, and, you know, I think it's just a question of feeling the game. You know, and seeing how that player's playing. Sometimes a guy needs a rest just from a mental standpoint. Um, but it's it's something that you're obviously aware of, and those are decisions I think that that happen during the course of the game, um, in addition to kind of what you set out at the beginning of the game. And coach, one more question from Mark Medina, USA Today. Hey, Glenn, good to see you. Um, yeah, a lead question here. I mean, given the, the state of the world we're in and the challenges of being in the bubble, to what extent do you incorporate mental health concepts or mindfulness exercises in practice and all that? Well, we, we have a uh, mental skills coach. At that, that, that title, I think, is, um, is a narrow definition of what he does. Dr. Ron Kimmins, who's not currently with our team, but he's someone that the guys have talked to. Um, over the course of the time here. Um, we've had Zoom meetings with him. Um, I think he, he's terrific. He's been a resource not only to our players, but to our coaching staff. So um, really, you know, in the environment we're in here, um, it's difficult to incorporate those things maybe into a formal practice setting because um, even practice times are variable. And there's just so many different things that you're balancing. Um, but it is something that we talk about and and uh, make that not only available to our guys, but encourage it. All right, Coach, thanks for your time. All right, that was Jazz Head Coach Quinn Snyder. Uh, of course, those Zoom press conferences presented by University of Utah Health, trusted health care provider for the Utah Jazz family and yours with 16 neighborhood health centers. U of U Health has a game plan for your family's care. Visit uofuhealth.org slash jazz. Coming up next, we have a new report of what's going on uh, with the future of the Pac-12 and its leadership. Uh, Gordon, I'm very eager to get your thoughts on this coming up next. Yeah, let's talk about it. And uh, one thing to think about off what Quinn was talking about, how many times he mentioned the word spacing? <laughs> the spacing has to be right for the Jazz because it enables not only the open looks, it enables guys to drive. And how many times in Game 6 did you see guys drive in and then be it was too crowded in there. The spacing wasn't good. We'll get to it all coming up. Don't forget our friend Alex Kennedy at 3.30 as well, right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.